Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How's it going, everyone? It's time for another edition of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff, presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and adfreeshows.com. I, of course, am John Alba, joined as I am every single week by the man himself, Mr. Eric Bischoff. A happy new year to you, my friend. I know you're feeling a little under the weather, but it's always great to see you. And I know we got a big year ahead for us on Strictly Business. How are you, man? I'm doing okay. I'm usually, I mean, I'm excited about 2023. A lot of great things going on. Fun stuff going on over at Amphrey Shows. And obviously, Strictly Business is growing each and every week. So I appreciate that. All of you who are uh, subscribing over at 83 Weeks uh, and and joining us each and every week for a look at the business side of the wrestling business. I do have to admit, I'm going to, you know, fair warning. I, I, I caught the flu coming home. Um, so I feel like crap. Um, I look like crap. I probably sound like crap, but I'm having a blast. So don't let any of that crap fool you. I'm having a blast. <laughs> you do not look like crap, Eric Bischoff. You're always looking good every single week here on Strictly Business. And uh, one of the perks of adfreeshows.com these days is that you get to join in on some live tapings. And for the first time, Strictly Business is live and in living color with some of our ad-free shows faithful. Are we not? We are indeed. Let me uh, ch- move over here. I want to say hello to Rob Hewitt, Bobby, Kilo, Foxtrot 5, Golf Tango, X-Ray. Bobby, I just shut my ham radio off just so you know. I was monitoring two meters here while I was waiting to get ready to do this. Josh Henney. Great to have you guys here. Kelly Cox, don't remember seeing that name for a long time, uh, if at all. So, Gail, thank you guys for for joining in, all of whom are members over at AdFree. I should say family members over at AdFree Shows. And if you guys have any questions or comments, uh, throw them out here while we're doing the show, and either John or I will uh, do our best to answer them. And, of course, guys, Strictly Business, one of the most unique podcasts in professional wrestling, covering the business of the business. If you're not subscribed, go to adfreeshows.com or 83weeks.com, and not only will you get every great episode of 83 Weeks, you will also get Strictly Business uploaded right to you and on YouTube as well if you would like to watch Eric and I 
which that's just a little extra. You added. should want to watch. I can't believe anybody wouldn't want to watch. I mean, I come agree. on. I agree. And Steve Kaufman is putting together some great graphics. It kind of makes it fun. I mean, come on now. Watch YouTube. <laughs> Strictly business. <laughs> Strictly business. I like it. Uh, last week, Eric, we talked about the five biggest news stories of 2022. Uh, anything you'd like to put a bow tie on from last week? No, but, you know, I was thinking about it. It was so much fun doing the five biggest stories of 2022, but that's kind of easy. It's a little subjective, right? What's a big story to you may not be that big story to me, but it's still fun doing that. And it made me think, you know what, let's come up. Let's do some predictions because I like doing predictions. It's my way of gambling. You know, I don't like to gamble. Did you know that? Like I go to Vegas. I never gamble. I believe I'm probably one of the only people I know that loves to go to Vegas, but doesn't gamble. See, I'm, I'm not big money, Eric. I don't have that money to gamble away right now. So, uh, but maybe at some point. No, I've, I've, and I don't have a lot of money right now either, but I've had a lot of money in the past. And even when I had money coming out of my ears, I never liked to gamble. I'll go to Vegas and spend $800 on a good meal. See, there you go. I'll, 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 I'll go to uh, a, a great sushi bar and, 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 and blow a house payment. <laughs> on some, some fresh, you know, margaro or chew toro or, you know, some really good fish. I'll do that. But at least I know I'm getting something back for it. Sure. Right. I just can't stand leaving at money guy. at the table. Now that's different, Steve. Kaufman's <laughs> pulling a fast one here. I was at a celebrity poker tournament. Okay. That's fair. Right? And I, was, I wasn't playing with my own money. <laughs> Well, Eric Bischoff, you certainly are a master of the poker face, and you never like to lay your hand here on Strictly Business, but you are giving us some insight that enlightens all the wrestling fans out there, and we are going to make some bold predictions for the year 2023 on Strictly Business this week, and we were trying to come up with some interesting ones. We were brainstorming some of these bolder than others. Others are just genuinely uh, interesting more than anything else. How about we get going here? You ready to go? So how are we going to do this? Are we going to start with honorable mentions first? Let's let's get some honorable mentions out of the way before we get to the top five stories. Hey, guys, Eric Bischoff here. and just want to call a quick time out. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 weeks, quite a while now, about all the cool things that are happening over at adfreeshows.com. We're kicking off 2023 with an all-new edition of Title Chase as Conrad dives into the moments, memories, and matches of the 10 pounds of silver, the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Man, I am doing great. Uh, like my friend Steve Kern likes to say, gratitude is the attitude, and that's where I'm at. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, I had a blast talking about the old WCW Heavyweight Championship with you recently, and we thought, hey, let's uh, let's get down a rabbit hole about something maybe a little more old school. Tell everybody what you're holding there. I am holding the 10 pounds of silver NWA United States Heavyweight Championship belt. We get a peek behind the curtain on an all-new edition of The Insiders as Conrad sits down with former WWE writer and current Impact producer Jimmy Jacobs. You start to realize that you're one weird interaction with events away from being in the doghouse or being fired. And then you just start to behave in a way to try to not get fired and then your ideas become ideas in an effort to not get fired and pretty soon you have a whole bunch of people that are playing to not lose 
No spray tans necessary on our latest premium watch-along event, as Eric Bischoff and Nick Patrick sat down for the first time ever to discuss what really happened in one of the biggest and most infamous main events in history, Starcade 97. It's been 25 years since it happened, and this is the first time that we've ever talked about. Nobody came to me that night after the match in the locker room, on the, at the TV the next day. You know, it was just, we, we, we just moved on from it, you know? And, uh, uh, but uh, I, I did what I was supposed to do out of, out, out of the deal. You know, I don't know what was told in the production meeting, what people were expecting. And, you know, I was getting pulled, I was getting pulled from, from two different sides. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. So I've actually got an honorable mention here in terms of what we could see promotionally. Eric, I see that Carl Anderson is appearing at Wrestle Kingdom. We know AEW's got a working relationship with New Japan. I think this year we will see a major collaboration in some capacity between WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling specifically. We just saw Shinsuke Nakamura uh, wrestle the great Muda in NOAA. WWE let that happen. And I think with AEW kind of having this fostered relationship with New Japan, I think WWE, as it looks to expand internationally, especially with NXT, I think we're going to see some sort of collaboration between the two companies. What do you think about that one? Mm, you know, I don't, I don't have a feel for that, to be honest about, about it. Uh, Look, I, I've been hearing that term, and I probably used it myself back in WCW, working relationship. What does that really mean? It's a talent exchange. Mm-hmm. And and it's one that generally benefits both companies. So, uh, sure, it makes a lot of sense. You know, WWE worked with New Japan before I got to WCW. Um, that's it's. I think they did. Um, there's there's been a relationship between WWE and New Japan previously. Uh, obviously, WCW had an extensive one, and I think probably the most extensive, I'm going to call it a partnership, uh, given the amount of time that we had so many of the Japanese coming in and becoming actually part of the storyline, NWO, Japan, you know, the merchandise that we sold over in Japan, obviously going to Korea. Uh, partnering with Antonio Noki and New Japan Wrestling to pr- produce two shows in Pyongyang, North Korea, that drew over 350,000 people um, at a live event. So it, the idea of a working relationship has been around a long time. But I think you're probably onto something. I think with NXT expanding, it would certainly benefit NXT more so than it would necessarily, I think, SmackDown or Raw. And given that it would benefit NXT, I can see it happening. It yeah. makes sense to me. And I think it's something where WWE would be able to utilize New Japan talent in that developmental system, whether it's developing on their own or working with WWE's in-house developmental talent. I really could see something like that happening. And I think that would be good and healthy for the business uh, in that regard. And, and as we tape this, Eric, too, uh, lots of rumors going around that Sasha Banks or trinity the former naomi could be showing up here in japan and uh, as free agents on their own right we talked about that last week in the archives 83weeks.com so that that is just so constantly evolving uh what other honorable mentions come to mind for you here eric 
Um, well, actually, you guys brought it up. Uh, I think you did, uh, John, before we got started here. Uh, Roman Reigns. Yeah. Over into mainstream entertainment. You know, I haven't had my finger on, you know, Roman's career or his trajectory, but... He's got a good end, doesn't he? Good. Kind of makes a little bit of sense, doesn't it? You know, in Hollywood, it's not how good you are necessarily. It's how good you are and who you know. And I, I think Roman has, you know, put his toe in the water and, and got a little bit of a taste of Hollywood. And uh, I... I don't disagree. I think that's a real possibility. I think Roman Reigns' long title reign will come to an end this year, and I think the best thing that you could do would be for him to step away for a few months. Where do you where do you see it coming to an end? I think WrestleMania. Do you really? I do. I, I actually don't think he's facing The Rock anymore. I think he's facing Cody for the title, but that's just my... Ooh, prediction. that's a fun prediction. Yep, I think Cody's going to win the WWE Championship. I just saw a picture on social media of a WWE... Uh, um, truck uh production truck wrapped with a wrestlemania uh wrap that featured cody rhodes so you may be right yeah i i think cody's gonna be the guy this year and as, as he should be in my opinion but on top of that what I a think story that'll be i don't mean to interrupt you there you go hey boom steve kaufman is on the money today that's a million dollar smile right there. That's a million. It? Well, it's probably a lot more than a million dollar smile. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably talking. I don't want to say, cause I think I know. So I'm going to leave it alone, but yeah, it's more than a million dollar smile. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, I think Roman steps away and lands his first big movie deal. I really believe that we are about to see Roman Reigns begin his crossover. You know why I think you're right, John is, I mean, Roman has been, on top and, and even before he was on top he was being positioned mm -hmm. aggressively to be on top for such a long time that i i, I would have if i'm roman and i know you know my bank account's good my investment portfolio's good and i'm still young enough young enough and and, and healthy enough especially given the circumstances I'm, I'm going to get out while the getting's good, brother, and step into the next phase of my life. So I could see that happening. I don't know, Roman. I, I bet you I've never, I've been around him a bunch of times, you know, working. Cordial. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Good match. You know, always tell me what a great interview I was. He told me he grew up watching me on TV. He said, and one of the reasons he got into wrestling is because of watching my promos. You believe that? If you do, you're an idiot because it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! That's it. Oh, look at this, Cody Rhodes. He's teasing yeah. it. They just aired a big uh, two and a half, three minute video package of him and his pursuit for the championship. Ooh. So, yeah. I, I and think the Dusty Rhodes, you know, statued. Oh. We talked about this before. We, we we talked about it kind of in the abstract a little bit, but. What a hell of a story, right? Amazing I mean, story. Human, human story, not wrestling story. Wrestling story, obviously, but human story. Oh, my gosh. And it's one that the crowd can genuinely invest in. Because they can relate to it. Exactly, and come along for that ride. So I, I do think, I personally think that that's where it's going. I got no inside information on that. That's just what I think. And then my, my last honorable mention before we get into your five picks, Eric, we know, we hear it every week on AW Television, MJF keeps talking about the contract war of 2024. 
where come the start of 2024, he's a free agent officially. My gut says, Eric, he's not even going to hit that. I think MJF re-signs with AEW before years end. If he has not already, and we just don't know. Did we get through all of our honorable mentions already? That's my last honorable mention here before we get to our top five. Okay. All right. Um, and we can dig into this as much as you'd like. No, 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 no. I want to dig into it. I just got to think about it a little bit. See, it's so hard because I, I don't know MJF. I mean, we're, I guess, friendly. I won't say we're friends. Text each other back and forth every once in a while. or DM, actually, um, occasionally. And I love hanging around him. You know, the few times that I've been around him, I, I've just enjoyed his company. I get a big kick out of him, and I really get a kick out of watching him and listening to his promos. But I don't know him. You know, I don't know how he feels about business. I don't know what his goals are. And when you don't know somebody personally, it's hard to predict. You know, on, on the one hand, what are the advantages for, a, for MJF of staying in AEW? Job security, great payday, I'm assuming. I don't know what he's making, but I'm assuming it's pretty good. Um, he's at the top of the card, at the top of the roster, probably will be because he's so young, barring any kind of injury, for the next five, seven, eight years. So, I'm, you know, the 26-year-old Eric Bischoff would probably bank on the stability and the security. Until I've got enough money in the bank, then I can roll some dice, if so to speak. Wouldn't go to Vegas to do it, but with my career, I'd roll the dice. Once I had enough money in the bank that if it didn't work out, I'm still good. But I don't know, man. I don't know where his head's at. I Look, if MJF were to leave, go to WWE, the odds are pretty good. And look at what Cody Rhodes has done. Cody, Cody Rhodes left like two pounds of three-week-old ground beef and came back you know, as a superstar that maybe be, if you're right, and I don't think you're too far off, could happen. You know, Cody left AEW, made a huge splash on his return to WWE on his own terms, might I add. And if you're right, is going to walk away with the WWE World Championship from Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, it does not get bigger than that. So if I'm MJF, I'm looking at that trajectory and I'm going, <laughs> that could be me. I could do that. So I don't know, man. It's a, it's a tough one, but it'll be interesting to follow. I think the creative freedom that he's allowed in AEW is something that's probably pretty appealing for someone like him, where he is able to push the limit in a way that he wouldn't be able to on WWE television, simply because WWE's TV PG. And... But I'm curious what your response is to that. Well, I mean, that's I, I agree with that. You know, creative freedom and flexibility and, and having um, a, a wider lane to play in in terms of what you can do and what you can't do based on a rating. I think that's important. But I think what's more important is who do you have left to work with? Sure. And that's one of the things when Vince McMahon called me when I first went back to or when I first went to WWE the first time 2002 when Vince and we had a very short conversation probably only lasted 10 minutes but as I'm listening to Vince and I don't want to say he was pitching me but he was pitching me um the first thing I thought of was oh man there is a ton of people that I'm going to get to stand in that ring with and, and cut promos with 
that I've never worked with before. And that can be as exciting to a talent is being able to drop, you know, a dam or a shit or kick your ass. Cause that, that gets old and tired. It gets old and tired to the audience. Quite frankly, you don't care. You know, people that really get off and enter is a small, 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 small percentage of the audience. But as a talent, especially one of MJF's caliber, to know that you can get in the ring and and go toe to toe in a promo with some amazing talent that you never worked with before, as well as have matches with people you've never worked with before, that may be the deciding factor for me. I think that's more than a fair evaluation. I want to actually pose this question since we're talking contract negotiations. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Uh, Bobby, our ad-free shows family member, he, he wants to know, Eric, when you became executive producer in WCW, was there a minimum salary you had to guarantee to a talent? Um, no, I mean, we had a structure, Bobby. It was, you know, for example, with the power plant, you know, I, I don't remember what the exact number was, but I think we were bringing some guys in. If they were completely off the street, no experience, <coughs> excuse me, um, and really starting from the ground up, but we, we saw potential. I think we might start them at 40, 45, 50, somewhere in that category. And then as they progressed after a certain period of time, after six months or a year, whatever the window was, then we'd kind of reevaluate. And if they had made some great progress, perhaps done some dark matches, been out to a couple house shows and everybody still felt good and we wanted to continue the relationship, then you can bump them up to 75, maybe a hundred, depending on how often you use them and how. Uh, but that wasn't like, there was no set minimum. There was no formula that was set in stone. It was kind of a guideline. I got Steve pulling up the inflation calculator for what it would have cost now. Look at Steve go. <laughs> I love this stuff. And that's just on the fly. We didn't even prep him. We didn't even know we we're going to have this conversation. That's good shit, pal. That's good stuff. Yeah, bro. I'm no, 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 no. Good shit, pal. You gotta <laughs> growl when you see it. You gotta sound like you're clearing your throat. Gagging up a hairball, if you will. <laughs> well, 75K is about what the 
tier one starting contract for an AW talent is right now. So I think that's really interesting uh, how that translates even over to today with that 30 year uh, difference, almost 25 year difference. Uh, but I, I got to admit, Eric, I'm having a case of deja vu because you're talking about MJF a lot here. It's not the first time in the last couple of weeks I heard you talking about MJF. As a matter of fact, I heard you talking about him on one of my favorite podcasts in all of pro wrestling with one of my favorite people in all of pro wrestling. And that's insight with Chris Van Vliet, who we've had here on ad free shows before you made an appearance on his podcast. And I just thought it was an outstanding interview that everyone needs to go check out. what do you make of your experience out there in Vegas with Chris? I didn't want it to stop. I, I you know, I want to do a marathon interview with Chris. He, I, I didn't feel like I was having, I was in an interview. I felt like I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine. And that's a sign of a good interview, right? When he just, he, and he, you know, he, he actually opened me up to a couple topics that I, that I have not opened up to or in, in public uh, ever. So I, I thought he did a fantastic job. I, I had fun. I was super impressed with the studio. And I can't wait to get invited back because there's a super, super sushi bar. <laughs> <laughs> and besides, look at that. Look at that shirt he's wearing. He could yeah. be a Cody guy. Oh, you see, you could see Chris walking up and down the streets of Cody, Wyoming, wearing that shirt. Got that lumberjack vibe. Chris has some Maxim vibes going all the way as well with that, too. I thought this interview was great. Everyone's been talking about it. You talked about what Vince McMahon's up to in retirement or at least what you think he's up to, uh, what Cody Rhodes might do this year in 2023. And and I even noticed that things got a little emotional for you too, Eric, when you started talking some personal stuff. And I think that's what Chris is so good at, eliciting that in conversation. Uh, this was an outstanding interview, and it's on his podcast, Insight with Chris Van Vliet, which you can get wherever you find your podcast, or you can watch it on Chris's YouTube channel as well. You'll find some other great interviews, like the one he did with Conrad. He's interviewed The Rock like 12 times, Ric Flair, Road Dog, Drew McIntyre, Margot Robbie, Henry Cavill. Yeah, you Ron know. Howard. Ron he Howard. Just, he, had, he had just interviewed Ron Howard the day before I got there. I'm thinking, man, oh, man, I'm in good company. <laughs> yeah, you are. Chris Hemsworth. Adam Sandler, many, many more. And on top of that, as you said, Chris is just one of the best dudes out there. Can't put over his podcast enough. Check out Insight with Chris Van Vliet wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Coy. He did an interview. I love Joe Coy. I just stumbled into Joe Coy about a month ago looking for something to watch. And I really like Joe Coy. He's funny as hell. There you go. Go check all those interviews out on Chris's YouTube channel and on Insight with Chris Van Vliet. All right, Eric, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into these top five stories here. What do you got for number five? Number five, we've been hearing about it now for months. It's been in the headlines at least once or twice or three or ten times a week. (laughs) I think Punk is eventually going to leave. Let's call him Phil. I I was reading, I, I read something that Kevin Nash said, uh, on, on his podcast. And I agree. He's not in the business anymore. His name is Phil. I'm even going to call him Philip just because I feel like it. So Philip is going to leave AEW, I think with a sizable amount of cash and he'll probably ride off into the sunset. See, there he is. Look at him. He's got a wheelbarrow full of freaking cash. He's going to be walking up that ramp with a, with a wheelbarrow full of money 
And AEW is going to be able to cleanse themselves of all the Michigas, all the drama, all the nonsense, and finally chart their own path without that distraction. That's what I think is going to happen. Could be wrong. Who knows? So I'll tee you up on this one. Does he show up elsewhere? No. You think he's done in pro wrestling for good? Oh, he may. I don't know. He may be able to get you know a, a nice payday. Not that he'll probably need the payday between what he's already made and what he's more than likely going to get in a buyout. Um, because keep in mind, there's a potential lawsuit still dangling. I presume. I don't know. I don't have any inside information. But unless the legal side of this has been resolved, which I kind of doubt because that would be Phillips leverage. And unless you're getting a check, you don't give up your leverage. Um, but I, 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 I can't imagine. I mean, I can't see him in WWE. Do they need the drama? Do, do, I just don't see it. But you know, it's the wrestling business. So you never know. I, I don't see him going to WWE either, especially with some of the, where else would he go? right now um i mean look he could always show up if you if he really wanted to check off wrestling on a major new japan show i'm sure he could get a one or two time payday to go there if he really wanted to i, I do think it's aw or bust for him I, I tend to agree with you i don't see him returning in any capacity for aw is that a good thing or a bad thing at the end of the day in your opinion i think it's an unfortunate thing and look i i'm part of me jokes around about busting Phillips balls um, because I just, I, I, I'm not impressed with him. I think he was overhyped. And, and when I say that, look, I understand he came to, to AW with a massive amount of mystique and there was buildup and he did a good job of maintaining that mystique. Um, but he lost me in his first promo. He, I mean, he showed his ass in such a, obvious way to me in his very first promo when he went out there and buried Hulk Hogan. Now I'm not saying that because I'm friends of Hulk Hogan. I'm saying that because Philip has never worked with Hulk Hogan. Philip doesn't know Hulk Hogan. And what Philip was doing was trying to get himself over with the dirt sheet community, mostly Meltzer's fan base by burying someone that Meltzer's been burying for 25 or 30 years in order to get himself over. And what that does to me, if you're playing poker with somebody like that, that's a tell. That tells me this dude does not know how to get himself over without relying on cheap, easy heat. And that's what that comment was. And I think when you come out as a professional at that level and you're relying on cheap, easy heat, regardless whether it's Hulk Hogan or, or any other, insert any other big name here that you don't know and you've never worked with, I think that's a tell. And the minute that happened, I went, this guy's not everything he's cracked up to be. Because if he was, he wouldn't have had to do that. And it all went downhill from there. Um, but let me just say this. I don't know what went on behind the scenes with the elite and the you know, the, the backstage drama and the conspiracy theories. I'm not discounting it. I'm, I, I'm not discounting that Philip has a bitch. I'm not discounting that perhaps Philip was justified in being really, really 
pissed off. I still don't think he should have done what he did at that press conference. That should have been a conversation that Philip had with Tony Khan offline, privately, one-on-one, maybe with an attorney present. Then it could have been productive as opposed to going out there and, again, showing your ass, burying the guy that's writing your check, burying your entire locker room, and the roster that you have to work with. I just, again, that's a tell. It's a, it's a big tell. But I do believe that there might have been some, some fire behind all that smoke and why he was upset. And if you have that kind of drama going on backstage, whether it's 10% real or 80% real, whatever it is, none of us will probably ever know uh, unless you were involved. It's just unhealthy for everybody. Nobody's going to come out of it good. Everybody's going to come out of it dinged. And I, I think it would be better for everybody just to go their separate ways. It's just unfortunate because everyone involved is really talented in their own individual way. And regardless of what you think about CM Punk, there's no denying he forms a very authentic connection with a large group of fans that are very loyal to him. And go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm, yeah, I, I, I just, I just, yes. <laughs> I, I, just, I just, I think that he's very polarizing and we can all admit that, but it's a shame that for whatever the circumstances may be, that this in all likelihood will not be worked through. And I'm in agreement with you on this take that we don't see him again in AEW. I do want to get a question in from David from ad free shows. He says, speaking of punk, did you have any interactions with him personal or professional? And if so, was it positive? I have never had one syllable of conversation with CM Punk. We've never crossed paths. I saw him. Now I take that back. I saw him one time at a convention and he was signing autographs. And I think he was either like two or three tables away from me or whatever. And, but he had his line was out the door. And, you know, when I go to those conventions, um, especially with somebody like Philip, who's busy, you know, I mean, he's very, he was very popular. His line was halfway out the door because uh, nobody had seen him in a long time. Uh, the, the last thing I'm going to do, is, because it takes away from the fan experience, right? Oh, there's Eric Bischoff going up. He's going to cut in line and say hi to Phil. Um, I wouldn't do that to the fans and I wouldn't do that to, to Phil or Philip, I, I wouldn't do that. It's just rude. Uh, so I, I didn't make an effort. Not that I didn't want to. I thought about doing it until I looked at his line. I went, oh, that's stupid. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't like it when people do it to me because if I've got people waiting in line, I like to spend as much time with everybody as I possibly can. And the more time I spend talking to people that I've known for 20 years, the less time I get to spend with people that are actually paying money with the opportunity to have a conversation. So I didn't do it. Yeah, that friends, if you're pals with Eric Bischoff, find him at the sushi bar. That's your time to talk to him more than anything. Yeah, if you're buying, <laughs> otherwise stay away. Let's go to number four, Eric. What do you have for your number four bold prediction of 2023? This is the one. Look, I think, again, I don't track this real close, but contracts are up in 2024, correct? Correct. And the negotiating period will probably climax around April. Of 2024? Of this year, because you got to negotiate beforehand and the contracts are up 2024. Well, we'll know this year then. Mm-hmm. I I think WWE, 100% of their licensing rights, licensing rights are going to end up with either NBC Universal or Fox. 
I think the split rights um, situation like we have today, I, I, I don't think we're going to see that again. I think one of, I don't know who, I really don't, but I think either Fox or NBC Universal is, is going to end up with all the rights. And that'll be really interesting. The it'll be better. It'll be better for creative. Let me tell you that. Why now, is that? Things have, well, things have gotten better, right? But when, because I was there when the Fox thing launched, right? I worked on the very first show, the, the premiere episode. Um, that was a bitch, you know, because you're splitting the roster. The talent didn't, you didn't know who was going to be on what roster until literally the a week before. And in the weeks and months leading up to it, you know, all right, here's your, Eric, here's your roster. Paul Heyman, here's your roster until next Tuesday when we meet again. And then it's completely thrown out the window and you're starting from scratch. And that process continued all the way up until maybe a couple of days before the actual premiere episode. And it was frustrating as hell and confusing for everybody, not just for creative, but for the talent themselves. And it, just, it was tough. Um, but even then there was like Fox wanted their talent and Universal wanted their USA wanted their talent. And well, why do they get that guy? We should have that guy. We've been with you for 25 years. They're the new kid. I mean, it was, it was tough. And I think that creatively things will be better if all of the rights, meaning SmackDown and raw resided under one company. So can I, can I blame you for Brock Lesnar beating Kofi Kingston in seven seconds on the opening SmackDown? No, you can't. You can't. (laughs) I had nothing to do with that one. (laughs) I was as shocked as everybody else. Uh, the the interesting matter of that though. By the way, by the way, for every anybody that goes out there, everybody that buys into the dirt sheet narrative, that you know, Eric Bischoff let the talent run the show and gave. Well, yeah, you were in catering the whole time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anybody that buys into the narrative that I let talent run creative and I gave everybody creative control, let me tell you something. Brock Lesnar has creative control. <laughs> And he exercises the hell out of it. Like the hell out of it. So, yeah, no, I had nothing to do with that one. Okay. Just needed to ask. So let me ask you this then, because if you see one of these entities acquiring it in full, do you think with how SmackDown has performed on Fox that WWE has leveraged at least one of Raw or SmackDown to be permanently on broadcast television? So let's say hypothetically NBC Universal uh, purchases all of the rights to the TV contracts. Uh, maybe SmackDown then moves to NBC primetime instead of USA Network. Do you see that sort of thing happening? I see it as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why would you not do that? NBC, you know, the NBC as a network isn't burning, ain't burning it up. You know, and and Raw is a, or excuse me, SmackDown is a consistent number. They built it up really well over the last three or four years um, on Fox. The audience will follow. We know that. The wrestling audience will follow you wherever you go once you establish yourself. So if, if I'm an executive at NBC Network, I'm, I'm hoping that happens. Because now I've got a really stable piece of business that I can count on 52 weeks a year. 
And I think it has to beg the question of a sale too, Eric. I think that's a really important element of this where I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility with the current situation of WWE and who's running it, which we'll get into in a little bit here on Strictly Business. But you would have to think that one of these major broadcast entities would have some level of interest in just saying, let's buy the whole thing outright. I don't see Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan losing power, per se, in any exchange of power. But I do think that a sale, if it's going to happen, this is the year for it to go down. Yeah, but you got that Vince McMahon wild card, right? Mm -hmm. It's only going to go down if he lets it go down. And that's a... That's a weird situation right there. So I don't know. I, I look, here's, here's what happens in an acquisition. I agree with you initially. And when I say initially, I mean, for the first two, maybe three years, it'll be business as usual in terms of management of WWE. But over a period of time, you'll see changes and that's when it starts getting uncomfortable. Anytime one company buys another company, you have a merger of cultures and agendas. And that can be really troublesome in, a, in professional wrestling because no matter how, you know, look, WWE's been on USA for what now? Two and a half decades, three decades? I don't even know. I was just a kid back when it started. <laughs> well, not really a kid. I was your age. But They've, they've been there for a long time, but there's been different management in, in, at USA during, you know, Bonnie Hammer was there for a long time. I don't remember who was there before Bonnie Hammer. There are other people now, a couple that I had met while I was there. I can't remember the names, unfortunately. <clears throat> and I'm sure there's probably new people there now. Um, it gets trickier than people think it really does. Merging culture, corporate cultures can get tricky, especially when, company that buys you really doesn't understand your business that's when it gets really good <laughs> well you know eric if nbc universal or hypothetically fox or disney wanted to get uh perhaps a sale on their sale of wwe they just got to use that promo code wrestlebiz and go to jimmy's famous seafood.com because jimmy's famous seafood.com my goodness eric this is the sale of all sales free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. We're talking crab cakes. We're talking soups, chowders, steaks, desserts, gluten-free items, oysters. This is the good stuff, isn't it? It is life-changing. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. When you bite in to your very first Jimmy's Famous Seafood Crab Cake, when your teeth and your tongue first make contact with the smallest porcel of that crab cake. It's visceral. It changes. It becomes an experience that is unlike any other experience I've ever had. Wow. It is a gastronomical delight. You got to try it. I'm not kidding. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's really, really good. Yeah. Like I've never had anything. And I'm, now I'm not, now I'm not exaggerating. I've never had a jumbo 
lump Maryland crab cake. And I've, I've tried, and I've been to some of the best restaurants in the world, actually, and, and certainly on the East Coast and the West Coast, and I've had some good crab cakes. I've never had a crab cake like Jimmy's famous seafood crab cake. I have never. And they deliver the stuff to my door. Mm-hmm. It's just, you, you cannot beat it. Dude, I, I ordered the Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives package box for my sister and brother-in-law. You saw the picture. I tweeted it and you retweeted it. The crab cakes looked unbelievable. My sister called me afterwards and she said, this was insane. And I said, no, it's not insane. It's Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And that's what you can expect every single time. Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com. They're shipping food nationwide and for free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125. Use that promo code WrestleBiz. It's going to be the best decision you're going to make in 2023. I guarantee that. These things are incredible. Show enough. Plus, they're like the 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 United States counterpart of the Ribera Steakhouse in Tokyo. Every wrestler that's worth their salt, that's even close to making a name for themselves in this industry, makes the journey, the pilgrimage, if you will. Feeling very dustyish today. Very dusty. But they make the pilgrimage to Jimmy's famous seafood. They stand out in front and have their picture taken in front of it. Just like the, just like everybody does when, they, you know, American wrestlers go over to Japan, they got to go to Ribera. And by the way, I think Ribera Steakhouse is overrated as hell. Oh, oh, it just is. Japanese are not known for their steaks. They're just not. I'm sure you can find it if you look hard enough, but you're not going to find it at Ribera. But at Jimmy's famous seafood, you're going to find a tremendous, tremendous selection of great seafood. Oh, yeah. And they do steaks, too. They do wings as well. This is the good stuff. You see right there. You got the cart. You put the promo code WrestleBiz in. It's with a Z. Get the free shipping. I think producer Steve is ordering something up right now. I don't blame him. It's a good decision there. Thank you, Jimmy's Famous Seafood, for sponsoring Strictly Business. Make sure you head over to jimmysfamousseafood.com. Let's get to number three here, Eric. And we're still talking television rights, but it's with another company. Yeah, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, AEW. My prediction is that uh, it's good news for AEW. I'm, I'm, if I was a betting man, I would bet good money that there's going to be a renewal. I, I don't think it's going to be for the huge rights fees that a lot of people in the peripheral dirt sheet media have been discussing um, <clears throat> over the last six or eight months. But I do think they'll renew. They'll probably get a increase, but I, I don't think it's going to be substantial. And but I do think they're going to they're going to remain a, a part of of TBS, and I think that's a great thing for them. Right now, they're at around forty five million dollars a year for their television deal, their television rights deal. Obviously, we know pales in comparison to WWE. It's not really a comparable situation at this juncture. Uh, putting on your hat with your experience in media and different production companies, what do you think would be a realistic increase in terms of right fee rights fees for AW content? The only way you can really answer that, John, is to have some kind of an idea of how the ad sales are doing for that product, because the ad sales, which are a function of ratings, right? You know, people that, why do we even talk about ratings? Well, dude, you got to talk about ratings, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I know it's 2023 and everybody gets all their entertainment somewhere else and they watch on their phone, which I, I subscribe to about 10% of that bullshit. Um, fact is, television drives the wrestling business. 
If you pull television out of the wrestling business, the wrestling business goes away. Period. No more conversation. Not debatable. And advertising is what's driving television's interest in the wrestling business. So if, let's say, I don't know, how, I don't even know how many minutes of, of commercial inventory there are. Let's say a two-hour show, it's 120 minutes. You got, let's say there's 40 minutes of commercial time there, whatever it is. Um, it all depends how well that inventory is selling in that particular product. That's what determines the licensing value of the show. It's pretty simple, really. You know, if, if, you're, if you're selling um, cardboard boxes to the general public, you've got a retail, retail cardboard box store, and those cardboard boxes cost you 10 cents a box from wherever you're shipping them in from. But you can't get eight cents a box for them. Guess what? You're not going to sell those boxes anymore. And it's the same with television. If that $45 million a year only equals $37 million a year in ad sales, we're going to have a serious conversation negotiation. If it's $45 million, it's break even, yeah, we'll probably roll the dice for the stability because the, the numbers are solid for that particular network. I don't know what their expectations are. Or conversely, if out of that $45 million license fee, Turner is having a field day with, with the ads and they're making 65, 75, 85 million a year in revenue off the ads that go into Dynamite and Rampage or yeah, whatever. Rampage, is that it? Yes, Rampage. I don't even know what the show's called anymore. Mm-hmm. But if those two shows combined are generating in excess of $45 million, then, you know, AEW is going to probably want to have a, a taste of that. But if you don't know that one component, if you don't know how ad sales are doing, there's no way anybody can make a fair prediction. They're just jerking themselves off, basically. Well, and keep in mind, too, we are talking about expanded programming. They've got that reality show that they're currently in production on that they've announced that is going to be added. And you see if maybe there are other different programs that you can add to that rotation that expand content across different Turner platforms. And that's, that's another, I don't mean to cut you off, John, but that, and then, cause you brought up a good point. You know, you know, we're joking about Dana White and his, you know, I don't know what the name of the show is. It's some like professional slapping contest, which is really freaking ironic, right? He's about to launch a show for, it's a professional slap off. The power slap league. The power slap league. By the way, looking at that slap that he laid on his wife the other night, I don't know if Dana's the right guy to be doing this show. Or maybe he didn't, he just didn't want to hurt her. I don't know. But they're building. God, I've never met Dana White and he's going to hate my guts. I've never met him. I'm going to have residual heat. (laughs) And I don't mean, I mean, look, I think if you can have fun with the situation, it dissipates the seriousness of it. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do, Dana. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be fun. But if, if TBS is looking to build content around AEW, that's a really good indication. That, that suggests to me that there's a long-term commitment to AEW, which is good for them. Because um, changing networks is not a great thing. They'll follow you. Your audience will find you. But you take two steps forward and one step back, and it takes a little while to... Because people are, you know, they do things by habit, believe it or not. 
you know, it's like, oh, go to TBS, watch it. Oh, it's not on. Oh, well, what else is on before you go looking for it? I mean, viewing habits are weird. You know, if you ever really study the patterns of viewing habits, they're really fascinating. It's like psychology in a way. Well, we're getting a lot of great questions uh, in our live ad-free show chat. Again, a reminder, if you're on adfreeshows.com and you will get an opportunity to join some of these live tapings. We got a great cast of characters with us right now. Josh Hayes says it's his mom's birthday. Happy birthday to her, Josh. We also got Amy in the chat. We got Lauren in the chat. And we got a couple of good questions like this one. Lauren, We got one from we got Lauren. Oh, we got Lauren. We got one from Bryant and he wants to know when it comes to advertising, is that something Turner would be getting for those time slots or is that something that AEW would be getting? So who's getting the money there? Is that is that going to be Turner or is that something that AEW is getting, Eric? That's Turner. I mean, I, you don't pay $45 million for programming so the people that produce the programming can go out and sell the advertising in the show. And AEW doesn't have the ability to like ad sales at that level, network television, ad sales, cable, is, is, an, is an entirely, that's an entire business model unto itself. And you, you don't just hire a couple people off the street and go, okay, let's go sell some TV commercials <laughs> and be competitive. No, and no, that money goes to Turner. AEW gets a check for $45 million, which offsets their production. The cost of talent, which is an interesting thing because the talent, nobody's talked about the, you know, the talent budget for AEW, but it is significant. Very freaking significant. Evidently. <laughs> and if you, you know, you look at the cost of producing the show, I don't know what it costs to produce that show. I'm guessing about 500 grand a week, maybe 400 on the low end. Depends if it, you know, where you're traveling and all that. And then you've got, you've got to amortize your talent, your talent expense out for the year. You amortize that over the cost of, of a year, over the period of a year, add those things together and subtract it out of 45 million, whatever's left over is profit on top of your pay-per-view revenue and licensing and merchandising, whatever else you got going on. Uh, international, which AEW doesn't have a lot of international yet, to my knowledge. But um, no, the ad dollars go to the network. We got two more here. Eric, what is your number two bold prediction for 2023? Uh, boy, I have mixed emotions about this one. I'm about 80% sure that Vince McMahon coming back to, to WWE is a, let's just call it much ado about absolutely nothing. I'm 80% sure that it's never going to happen. Ooh. But the, there's a 20% chance like, Ooh, here we are. We're in a gambling theme. Vince McMahon standing at the roulette wheel. There's a 20% chance that that, how many times, let me, let's, let me, let me back up just a minute. Why do I feel there's an 80% chance that Vince McMahon will not return to WWE? Because I think it would have, especially now in the, as close as we are to a renegotiate of contracts, a potential sale, um, for Vince to make a power play and, and come back right now, I think would upset to one degree or another, a significant number of shareholders, it would create doubt. Agreed. And the stock market investors don't like doubt. And Vince is smart. 
He's like really freaking smart. And how many times have we heard Vince say or have other people reference things that Vince has said that's Vince is famous for his position of whatever's best for business. I, I think the whatever's best for business part of Vince McMahon is the 80% part, but there's the 20% part. He's a fighter. Let me tell you <laughs> from personal experience, although he failed to show up when I challenged him, but that's a different kind of fight. But I can't, I can't, I'm just, I'm looking for levity here. Um, there's a part of Vince, I think, as I've said before, I don't know Vince on a personal level at all. I think very few people really do. It's very few people. That might be him calling. Might be, he's here and he's watching on YouTube the ad-free shows. Oh! God damn it, Eric. Happy New Year, pal. <laughs> I kid, I kid. I'm coming um, back. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, you know, there's a part of Vince McMahon that he's a fighter. Yeah. That's his company. He built, I'm not, not him by himself, obviously, but that's his company. And there's some people that would rather fight than have sex. And this is probably a bad, a bad metaphor in this case, but I think. <laughs> <laughs> You're on a roll today, man. <laughs> It's it's the Nyquil. I'm, I'm, not I'm gonna do Nyquil before every show. It's kind of a fun ride. They said don't operate heavy machinery. They should have said don't do a podcast. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's funny. Um, but no, seriously, there's a part of this that I could see going. Oh, it's my company. I'll go out on on, on my terms. But I do think as much as that, that is a part of Vince's makeup, that, that fighter part of him, the what's best for business part is the largest part of Vince. And I think that's what he'll lean into. Hey, 20 plus years ago, he tried to bring the NWO back WWE television to kill the company from the inside. You never know, Eric, we could see it happen again where he tries to kill it from the inside. You know what they should do? <laughs> Let's book a little WWE. Book an angle. Let's book an angle. They should have Bray Wyatt come in into some extremely like scary looking Vince McMahon-ish character and do just that. Kill it. Wouldn't it be fun? Kill everything from the inside. I like it. Vince is blowing you up right now. He hears it. He sees it because he's a subscriber to adfreeshows.com and he's watching live. I, I Listen, man, I get it. I understand your point. I I don't know if I see Vince returning. I think a lot of that was, and we kind of talked about this on the Sean Ross Sapp episode too. I feel like those murmurings becoming public were was someone high up trying to make it known to the public, hey, this would be bad public perception. This would not be a good thing in terms of how the company is perceived with this level of interest out there. And I think that becoming public was an attempt to shut that down. Yeah. And let's, let's, and again, I think Sean, uh, Sean Ross really opened my eyes to an, an angle of, of this that I had not thought of before. But when you think about, you know, somebody leaked that the information to the wall street journal that they leaked, right? Somebody did that. Who did it? 
And why did they do it? More importantly, well, not more, because who did it and why? Who stood the benefit from that? And then you have the leak, as Sean Rossette pointed out, which I hadn't thought about before. You know, why would somebody have leaked Vince's interest in coming back to the company, whether it's true or not true? What, who benefits from that and, and mm-hmm. why would they do that? So if you, if you buy into the, at least there's a possibility that somebody internally leaked that initial story, which started this whole thing to unravel, and Vince being forced out, um, and then the subsequent leak about his desire to come back. If any of that is true, and, and Sean Rassap's theory is is close to being accurate, can you imagine the shitstorm that's going to happen if he actually right. does make a move? Right. Then it's going to get really ugly, and that's where the stock market comes into play. Because you don't – and look, we're, we're anticipating the, the stock market. Most people are anticipating the market to take a pretty big hit in 2023. Uh, WWE's been able to do a really good job of outperforming the market. Don't think they would if they had a protracted kind of internal power struggle, especially under the umbrella of the, you know, mispropriety or impropriety, whatever it's called. Because at the end of the day, too, regardless of whether Vince is hands-on involved or not, he still benefits from the company doing well. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, whether it's stock, whether if there is a sale, what he would get out of a sale, th- there's a lot he benefits from with WWE succeeding. So I Yeah, do- and you got to think about, I mean, again, I, uh, when you don't really know somebody, it's so hard to predict. Mm. You, you know, I, I try to put myself in, in Vince's shoes, which is hard to do because I don't know him. But just take the basics. What is he, 70? He'll be 78 years old this summer. Think yeah, seventy eight this summer in August. He turns seventy eight in August. Yep. Yep. How's that? And that's that's while I'm on a Nyquil ride. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty good recall with a Nyquil buzz. Um, seventy eight years old, multi billionaire. For the first time in his adult life, he can go out and enjoy his money, or he can get into a bloodbath and and risk losing a lot of money because of the stock tanks i just i can't imagine him wanting to do that yeah i agree with you man uh, let's get to our final story here as we wrap up strictly business the number one bold prediction for 2023 from the perspective of a nyquil loaded up eric bischoff yeah but i've been on the money on on, on nyquil today so i think i'm even more right than i would have otherwise been so here's the deal. And I teased it. I mean, I've, I've already tipped my hand on this one. I think NXT is going to outperform, maybe not consistently, but will outperform Dynamite in 2023. Now, I, and, I, and, I post, I, and I put it out there on social media, right? Hold on. I'm going to be so reduced to cough, but I don't want to do it in everybody's ear. So give me a second. Oh, that felt good. Um, I'm just kind of itching in the back of my throat. I'm having a hard time talking. Hate that. Um, Just don't sneeze in front of Vince. We know that's a no-no. Ah, damn it! (laughs) Can't you control yourself? My God. Um, 
Brandon Thurston. I don't know Brandon, but he's he must be a, a research geek. And by the way, I'm I am too. You are. And but not professionally. You know, Brandon Brandon must do this for a living because he spends a lot of time doing it. But if you look at now, this graph isn't the one I was looking for, or this chart isn't the one I was looking for. But um if you look at the trend, if you, you know, he put, he put, Brandon puts out a graph with a little graph every single week, puts it out. That is a composite of all the different shows and their respective ratings for that week. And if you look at the last eight or 10 months, NXT has been gradually, slowly, but gradually, same thing, slowly, gradually, incrementally gaining ground almost every week. Uh, there'll be some exceptions, but if you look at it over a period of months, you're seeing a s- incremental upward trend. And if you look at dynamite, you're seeing an incremental downward trend over that same period of time. And if, if we have that graph, that weekly graph, and you look at it, Steve, I posted it uh, yeah, it's on my it Twitter, Twitter page. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you look at that and you, you look at where NXT is and you look at where dynamite currently is, there's only maybe 200,000 viewers. No, that's the, that's not it. That's the 18 to 49 demo. I put that up as a joke. I said, if you guys want a free vertigo rush, take a look <laughs> at this mess. <laughs> I think we got yeah, There we go. That's the one I'm looking for. That's the one I'm, so if you look at that. The gold is NXT, the gray is dynamite. Yeah. You've, you've got maybe 150, 200,000 people that, separate those two that's about 25 percent and if see that that's where it's starting to come up right we had one big dip but look how close aew and nxt are dynamite and nxt are as of last week i mean it's getting there and if this incremental trend continues on the track that it is and i told this to conrad about three months ago two months ago if this incremental trend continues sometime, and I predicted by the middle of, of, of the summer, will probably be the first time that NXT outperforms Dynamite. Now, they're not on the same night. It's not head-to-head, but that's not good. And Rampage, I don't know. Rampage is going to be doing what, you know, New Japan does on whatever network they're on or Impact, but... I don't think Rampage is going to survive. I really don't. Well, Rampage is a pretty inexpensive product for AEW to produce because they they tape it on the same day as Dynamite 90% of the time. Occasionally they do it live. Uh, But most of the time it's taped immediately after Dynamite. So so that's good for AEW Mm -hmm. because there there is an efficiency there, right? Mm -hmm. So that's good for AEW. But if you're TBS and you've got beachfront property, now granted it's a Friday night, so it's raining at ten. It's still beachfront property. It's still beachfront property. Um, I don't know. Are they making money with those ads? With four hundred with with four hundred thousand people watching, can they make any money? Or would they be better off doing a rerun? A rerun. A rerun. Or would it be better to just do a rerun and, and, and multi-purpose programming you've already paid for 
and essentially get uh, 100% of the ad revenue from a show you've already paid for once. Yeah. Well, that's that's where it gets a little dicey. I, I think one of the big elements at play here in this conversation, Eric, is that NXT's overall quality of content needs to get to the level that it was in the heyday where they determined they had enough leverage to launch on on television, go to USA, take it from the network, go to USA, where NXT was looked back on as the uh, premier pro wrestling in-ring product in the United States, where, uh, you know, the past few years, because of the changes in direction, I, I think we can all agree it, it has not been of that same quality. Now, we did see Dragon Lee is heading over to NXT, and if they start to bring in these big names and start to invest in it, like that, uh, I mean, may, who's to say? Maybe it becomes that flag bearer and the standard for that kind of content. Uh, I do think that is a pretty big variable at play for something like this to happen. Plus, one thing we haven't talked about as we tape this, Eric, uh, Dynamite is getting a rebrand this week. And maybe the rebrand helps invigorate the product a little bit. You know, that's going to be interesting because Mike Mansuri, and it's funny, not enough people are, well... It's because not a lot of people know Mike Mansuri. Mike Mansuri is a gifted, mm-hmm. gifted, gifted producer. And he, lack of a better term, mentored under Kevin Dunn. And you can say whatever you, for, personally, I like Kevin Dunn. You know, I, I probably it would be weird to figure out why, but we just kind of bonded um, despite everything that happened previously to me coming to work there. But once I got there, um, Kevin and I had a pretty good relationship. We didn't hang out or anything like that, but got along great. And it was a mutual respect. That's the best way to say it. There's not anybody better at what Kevin Dunn does than Kevin Dunn. Nobody in the world, nobody comes close except for Mike Mansuri. Mike's really good. And there's only so much positive impact production can have on the product. You can dress it up. You can light it better. You can shoot it better. That's a big thing. You can shoot it better. You can produce it better and it will have some positive impact. But Mansuri has a much better feel for creative than I think most people understand or, or appreciate. Well, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to Mike. I traveled with Mike, you know, for the four months that I was in WWE in 2019 and we hit it off and we, we spoke a lot and I have nothing but the utmost respect for him. And here's the big if, if Tony will listen and, and, and bet on Mansuri, I think the overall quality of the product will improve dramatically. And I'm talking about creative. I'm talking about story. I'm talking about timing. I'm talking about story structure. Mike Mansuri is capable of delivering a massive upside to AEW. The question becomes, will Tony listen to him? And, and structure is the key word there. An executive producer, should they choose to, in theory, has a lot of say with how a show is structured. An executive producer should, the showrunner, right? Mm-hmm. The showrunner, sometimes, you know, the executive producer has that responsibility. More often than not, you're in a traditional television production, your showrunner, 
and or director calls the shots. Tony is neither a showrunner or a director. He's learning on the job. And I'm not knocking him for that because I learned on the job too. I really did. And, and I'm, I'm not, not saying anything negative. It just is what it is. But if you really want to take a step up and Tony's got, I think, one of the best people he could probably hire now under his roof, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm, I'm going to give Mike Mansuri a lot of rope. I'm going to take my ego out of it, my pride out of it, my passion for being the booker of the year out of it. I'm going to take all those things. I'm going to set them aside and I'm going to bet on that guy because he's the best. Last question I want to get for you, Eric, before we wrap up here on Strictly Business. Again, we're live on adfreeshows.com and we've had a lot of our adfree shows members chiming in during this. And this is a good question talking about AEW versus NXT head to head here. Uh, Travis says, Eric, from a talent's point of view going forward, would it be better to get over an AEW and have WWE vying for you or coming up through NXT? Come up through NXT. Why's that? Because the perception, unless, you know, now if if you were a Cody Rhodes, which is an exception to the rule, obviously, if you were somebody that was previously with WWE at one point, migrated over to AEW, came back to WWE, that's one set of circumstances that I think is is, is great. Um, and, and being a part of AEW will, maybe it'll help. Maybe it would have helped you a little bit, but if you're coming back to WWE from AEW as a former WWE talent, they already know what you're made of. Now, maybe you improved a little bit. Maybe your stock went up in AEW in their eyes a little bit. Um, so that might help. But I think the general perception is if you, if you came off the indie scene, went to AEW, thinking that, oh, if I make it big here, I'm going to leapfrog into WWE. I think you're going to be disappointed because the perception will be that you're going to bring some bad talent, you're going to bring some bad habits with you. There, there, at least when I was there, now things may have changed. Triple H may have a completely different view of things than, than I think he does. But there's a WWE way of doing things. Chris Jericho told me once that, we, I don't know what we were talking about, but we were having a really good conversation about Chris leaving WCW and going to WWE. And Chris was convinced he was ready for prime time in WWE. He, he was hundred percent confident until he got there. And I think, and I'm paraphrasing this, but I think Chris said, you know, I, 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 I had, to, I had to learn the WWE way. And part of that is unlearning the non-WWE way, in this case, the AEW way. And I think you're better off coming up through the NXT system, which teaches you the WWE way from the ground up. And there's just more familiarity with, with the talent. You know, you've got Shawn Michaels down there who's running things, presumably, yeah. from what I've heard, yep. uh, who's got Paul's ear, obviously, Triple H's ear. Um, you know, if you can if you can impress Shawn Michaels, chances are you're going to get at least a shot to impress Paul Levesque. And I think that trip, that journey will be a quicker, smoother journey than hoping to get there through AEW. And one thing we didn't even talk about, you know, AEW contracts expire too. Maybe this is the year that a talent makes the jump. We saw Cody do it last year. 
maybe there's a talent this year that makes the jump. Uh, who's who would say? that be? Who would that be? I'm not sure whose contract uh, expires this year, but there were some one year options extended last year. Let's say every one of them expires sometime this year. Who do you? Th- and I know they don't, but let's just for the sake of discussion, everybody's contract expires this year. Who are your top two or three candidates to to make that jump, or at least attempt to? Aside from MJF, yeah. Aside from MJF, um, talent that I think WWE would want to bring in, uh, Wardlow, easily. Um, I think if Adam Cole were healthy, he's someone they would probably want to bring back, especially with Paul Levesque in charge. Doesn't he have a history of injuries, though? Well, right now, his wrestling future is very much up in the air, but you know, he, Paul Levesque clearly valued him as, as a top guy there. And uh, I would probably say Britt Baker. As, as somebody to bring in for that women's division, I think she would be someone. But I think Wardlow is the most WWE. I mean, he kind of checks all those boxes that you would want to see in a WWE. What about guys? What about Miro? Uh, Miro, certainly. Does he come back? I, and I, I, you know, I don't know him. I, I'm not familiar with his work. Malachi Black, perhaps. Uh, Miro. I don't those... see Malachi Black. I don't see that one. I don't see that one. I've never seen that. And I like him, by the way. We, you know, had several good conversations with him, and we get along fine. Paul Heyman was big, big supporter. Big supporter. But I don't know. I think he's he's almost too unique. Interesting. He really is. His gimmick is dark. And dark gimmicks, aside from The Undertaker, Dark gimmicks generally struggle. Mm-hmm. They really do. Yeah, it's pretty amazing Miro didn't get to that next level in WWE, given what he worked with and uh, the momentum that he established with the crowd there with the Rusev Day stuff. It seems like there was an opportunity that was missed, so he could certainly be somebody. I mean, he's a young guy, he's healthy, and he's in the witness protection program in AEW, so why not? This is good, 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 good shit there, Eric Bischoff here on Strictly Business. Great bold predictions. Do you have an ad-free shows bold prediction for 2023? Do I have a what? An ad-free shows bold prediction. A poll prediction? Bold prediction. Bold prediction. Uh, no, I haven't thought about that. And I'm not capable of thinking about it right now. But by no, this time next week, I'll come up with one. Mine is that Strictly Business is going to become one of the top shows on adfreeshows.com. And how could it not be? Go God, I hope so. I hope so. I very much believe it will be because you get great episodes like this and we have guests all the time too. Make sure you subscribe adfreeshows.com and 83weeks.com. Anything else you'd like to add here, Eric? No, man. I need to go in and have a cup <laughs> of miso soup and some more NyQuil and go for another ride. Sending you all the best, my friend. Feel better. Thank you, everyone who tuned in to this week's episode of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. We'll see you next time. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.